Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that your word is truth, Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that there are many things that don't stand the test of time, Lord God, that wither away, that are forgotten about, but your word stays true. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Lord God, just as we explore something that I've been learning about, Lord God, I pray that you just minister to us, that you just teach us, and that we'd hear what you've got to say to us. Lord God, we thank you that you're a good father who wants good things for your children. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay. I feel like I need to just give a little bit of a, an overview before I talk. This isn't, I think sometimes when you talk on the topic that I'm going to talk about, it can feel like a bit of a bashing, and that isn't a half at all. Actually, as I've been preparing this, it links very similar to our series that we've been looking at, James, Time to Grow Up. And it's something that's come out of that that has really, really challenged me. So actually, I please don't want it to feel like it's a bashing. Actually, I've been bashing myself. <laughs> really, and I've been really exploring myself and things that I thought I had nailed, actually I haven't at all. So I just want you to understand that first of all, it's really important. Where we're going to be looking at today is Ephesians. Now Ephesians is a letter that was written by Paul whilst he was in jail, and it's different from some other letters that it doesn't address a specific crisis. It's a letter, almost seem like a blueprint, this particular letter, for how church should be done. And if you want to look anywhere in the Bible for how church should be done, Ephesians is fantastic. It's brilliant. It's really, really good stuff in there. And what we're going to be looking at today is Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. So I'll just give you a chance to turn. It's Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, hearing, uh, sorry, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes rather speaking truth in love we are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, this makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. If you want to know how a church should function, that's the best place to look. It's incredible. What a church should be, mature Christians each chipping in and loving one another and speaking love and working as one body. 
of Christ. And you know, if we were to summarise these passages that I've just read, it's quite long. Jesus gives gifts to the church so that through the preaching of the word, we are equipped, resulting in maturity and the building of the church. The key there is that we need to become mature Christians who equip one another to make a difference. And you know, that's our focus tonight, maturity. Being a mature Christian, what does that mean? Not being a child in our faith. What does that mean? Now, the thing that stood out to me, first of all, here is the language. The pronoun we, all. This isn't just addressed to certain people, but all of us. Because we all have something to contribute. We all have gifts, whether we realise or not, that we use to build up the church. Some are seen, some are not. Some are at the front, some are at the back. Some are never seen, ever. And Paul here is encouraging us all to grow in those gifts. He's encouraging us to grow in our faith. And I just want to take a moment, because I had to do this, and ask yourself, how mature do you honestly think you are in your faith? And I'm not going to ask you to share, but just to yourself, just have a moment, just to think, how honestly, hand on heart, do you think you are mature? How mature would you say you are? have a moment to yourself, because I found this quite challenging personally. Now often, when we think of maturity, we think of grey-haired people who are old and, you know, kind of the stereotypical uh, maturity wisdom kind of thing. And I asked three friends particularly, um, just randomly, what they imagined when I said maturity wisdom. And the first answer was, old people sat in a rocking chair. The second one was grandparents, that's quite nice. And the third one was Santa. I do not know where that's come from, but anyway, each their own. No, no, it wasn't a class, no. Worryingly, it was adults. <laughs> yeah, these are adults. Uh, now, if, if you have, if you don't have grey hair, sorry, that doesn't mean that you can then go, ah, this doesn't apply to me. He's not talking to me. Actually, the Bible's definition of wisdom has got nothing to do with the colour of your hair. And you know, actually, if you're young, and I would be find this verse encouraging, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, 12 sorry, tells us that age shouldn't even be a barrier, that we should be setting an example to others, no matter how old we are. Growing in maturity. So the question is, if maturity has nothing to do with physical aspects, how grey our hair is, or whatever, how do we become mature, like Paul is describing? <clears throat> now, I think, personally, maturity is seen as a bit of a negative, particularly for guys in today's culture. I think that when you look at the media, when you look at magazines, when you look at TV shows, actually, maturity isn't encouraged. You kind of see it with the prolonged midlife crisis. You kind of see it with um, some of the TV shows that happen where people are encouraged to kind of give up their responsibilities and live the high life. And it's slightly worrying. People don't want to grow up. People don't like to take responsibility on. But Paul's making it clear here in Ephesians 4 that it's time for us individually and as a church to grow up. We need to be working together as one body, united. We need to be mature and encourage others to be mature too. And it's interesting to note that the gifts listed are all to do with the proclamation of the word of God. Prophets, apostles, evangelists, shepherds and teachers the things that draw all those things together 
is the word of God. And for Christians to become mature, the first thing we need to do is know it. Simple. So my first question is, how's your Bible reading? How much time are you spending knowing the word of God? Are you spending time learning the Father's word? You see, sometimes we can be a little bit immature when it comes to handling the Bible. We either don't spend enough time in it, or we're guilty of cherry-picking verses. And we need to be really careful of this. When we take a verse out of context, we can use it and apply it to anything. But maturity is taking books and analysing the books. You see, the Bible's got these underlying themes, these underlying threads that happen. And if you take a story, or a parable, or a verse out of context, you miss the point. To be mature Christians, we need to spend time picking apart, analysing whole books, see the threads, find the themes in order to build our maturity up. When you start, I've found personally that when you start to analyse book by book by book, who's written it, why have they written it, what's going on behind the scenes, things start to become a little more clearer. It's almost like a tapestry. Things start to thread together. The first thing we need to do to become mature Christians is spend time in the Bible. Sounds really obvious, but it's one that a lot of us struggle with. Often with time. We need to make time. We need to learn God's word. Paul's day, during Paul's time, there wasn't technology, and yet there were still people coming in and spreading false teaching. There were still people who were coming in and putting things and ideas in people's heads. build unity, we all need to know our Bible as teachers, as individuals as well. There's a bit of a challenge there for you. And that leads me on to point number two. If we know our Bible, we can see the Father's heart and understand that although some things are in there that we might not necessarily agree with, it's there for our good. You see, by dying, Jesus, Jesus sorry, gave us freedom to have self-control, not from it. And you know, knowing your Bible, even with the things that we don't really understand, or the things that we're not sure of or we don't agree with, helps us to understand the Father's heart and grow in maturity. It's so important. So important. How often do you spend time in your Bible? How often do you spend time studying it? I don't just mean on Friday of bed just before you go to bed. How often are you spending time studying it? The Word of God. This is the bit that I found challenging. Point number three. If you truly see how, if you see how your current maturity sits, if you want to see how mature you are really in your faith, have a look at when the last time you were offended. Because how we react to that often tells us what's going on inside. Take a moment and think back to when somebody last really, really hurt you or upset you. And how did you react? Again, I'm not asking you to share, just have a think. Are we like Peter who lashes out when somebody tries to get his friends? Do we flip out? Do we lash out? Do we punch a wall? Do we scream? Do we try and get revenge? Now, I'm not saying that anger is wrong, but Paul is really clear in this passage that we need to have the whole body of the church in our minds in everything. We need to be thinking of the church at all times. The analogy in verse 16 of the body being these joints held together, working together, is key. 
what one person does affects the rest of us. And to be mature Christians, we need to have that in our mind at all times. How I react to situations, how I respond to things, impacts the rest of us. It impacts how Jesus is seen by people as well. And, you know, I was really challenged by this because I play in a band um, and I don't really talk about God to the guys. If they ask me, I do. But I try not to bash it over their heads with them. Um, and sometimes they will ask me, which is great. Um, and one time we were just packing away and I can't remember how we got onto the conversation. And one of them said to me, um, do you know, Andy, I see you as a moral compass to me. And I, I can remember thinking, I've often really done anything. I don't really say anything. And yet people are watching how we respond. People are watching how we react. We need to have all times be diligent. How we respond, how we react, affects how Jesus is seen. How do we want to paint Jesus? For some people, we might be the only bit of Jesus that they see. How are we painting him to people? We need to move away from this kind of our light and think about the larger scale the larger scale of the church. Something that I always have a bit of a pet hate with is social media. When we think about social media, when people post articles about issues within Christianity, what kind of, ish, what kind of light is that shedding Christianity to people? Is that showing a unified body? No. We need to have a wider picture, a wider perspective of, of the body of Christ. We all have a responsibility to grow up, to mature, and to think about how our actions portray the church to people. Will my hot-headed reaction build the church up or break it down? Will the way I react glorify Jesus or paint him in a negative light? And that comes to our attitude as well. Are you coming to church to be served or to serve? And girls, if you're looking for a potential future husband or boyfriend, you know, this is the best bit of advice somebody gave to me that I overheard, that have a look at how they act around church. What are they doing? Are they serving? Or are they sitting around being a joker? Are they in there cleaning the toilets? Are they in there serving tea, filling up with tea and coffee? That's maturity, having that wider perspective, getting stuck in, serving. What does the Bible tell us? You can judge a tree by the fruit it produces. What fruit are we producing? Are we servant hearted? Are we just sitting around waiting to be served? If everybody chips in, if everybody joins in as part of the body, the body works fantastically, but we've got to take responsibility for it. And you know, sometimes we can't serve. You know, sometimes things get tricky or, you know, we've got responsibilities, but there are other ways we can help. Practically, popping in, helping. Money helping with money so we can fund and do things. Meeting people, supporting people, all these little things that make this body work so well together. But it requires us all to take responsibility, us all to think and grow in maturity and think about the wider perspective. So just take a moment for yourself now. How are you serving? How are you getting involved? What are you doing to get involved? And is there anything that you could do extra to help? And finally, I'm not going to talk that long, but I can't show you in 20 minutes how to become mature. I can't, if I'm honest. I can just give you some guidances and some of the things that I've looked at. But there's an element here of studying it yourself and thinking. 
And however you go, however you think about your maturity in Christ, have a look at Jesus. Have a look at what Jesus did. If Jesus got offended at the first time, he would have been long gone. Because his whole life he was offended. His whole life he was spoken badly of. His whole life people abused him. And how did he react? Glorifying the Father. That bigger perspective all the time. Are we thinking that? Have a look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It tells us what the fruits of the Spirit are. Maturity. That is true maturity. That is true maturity. Can you like stand that going to do it? Can you like turn to it for me? Galatians 5, 22 to 23 and read it for us, please. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. If you want to know what maturity is like, this is almost like a tick list. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Amen. If you want to know what maturity looks like, there's your starting point. Are you exercising patience with Christians around us when people make mistakes? Are you showing them love to people who are outside? Are you taking that wider perspective? Are you showing self-control to things that you know aren't going to benefit the church or to other people, even if it might feel good? Are we being kind to one another? That is true maturity. And I went through this as a checklist, to be honest, and I wasn't ticking as many as I hoped I was, really. And almost I didn't want to talk about it, really, because it exposes yourself, doesn't it? When you talk about something that you know you're not doing that well, it does expose it. I just felt God was just bringing this to my heart, really. If we want to be mature Christians, have a wider perspective. Spend time in your Bible. Know the Word of God. Think about your actions. How is that going to portray Jesus? Serve others. Serve in the church. And look to Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, come and talk to me. <laughs> because he gives us so much patience. The amount of times that song, a thousand times I've messed up. I probably mess up a thousand times, a thousand at least. And yet still every time, he's waiting for me to come back. What a good father he is. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that we will be Christians who are mature and knew you, Jesus. Lord God, that the world might look at maturity and think that it's a, a waste of time, Lord God, that it's boring, Lord God, but we know that there is a, a race to be run, Father God, Lord, that we know that there's a calling on our lives that you have placed on us, and that is the greater perspective we need. Heavenly Father, let us have time, let us make time, Jesus, to spend time in your word. Let us make time to know what you're telling us. Help us to learn how to study the Bible properly, God. Lord God, help us to think and reflect on our actions. How are they impacting others? How do they show you to other people? Help us to serve, Father God. Lord God, if we've got a bit of a lazy heart, Lord, forgive us and help us to serve. And Lord God, help us to look to you, the author and the creator of all things. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
do you want to come and talk to me after? I, I found this quite, as I said, going through that as a tip list, I found it quite embarrassing, <laughs> to be honest. It wasn't as many tips as I thought. So if you want to come and chat to me, I'd love to chat to you. Because, um, you know, I don't tick off of those, if I'm honest. Uh, so I can relate to you. Um, yeah.